0: Welcome to another edition of CHP Talks. We are going to be talking today about Canada-China relations and with us we have special guest Rhys Williams and uh, Rod, why don't you introduce our guest today?
1: Well, it's good to have Rhys with us. Uh, Rhys Williams works as an online English as a second language tutor with students from all around the world. The students' ages range from as young as three to those in their 70s. I'm not sure which ones are harder to teach, Reese, but uh, <laughs> that's quite a span. Uh, Reese graduated from the University of British Columbia with a bachelor's degree in Japanese language and culture. He enjoys studying languages, playing chess, and following politics. In 2019, Reese ran for the CHP in the riding of Moncton Riverview, Dieppe, that's in uh, New Brunswick. He is currently on the CHP's election readiness committee, as well as the policy and strategy committee, where he serves as the CHP's shadow critic for foreign affairs. So, Rhys, thanks for joining us today. We appreciate your involvement in, in all those aspects of uh, CHP business, and we're happy to have you with us today. My pleasure. Thank you.
0: Well, Reese, the... Uh... The issue that became a bit of a big deal this this last week, and probably the biggest one in foreign affairs that we've seen in a while, um, just seemed to center around the Winter Olympics, mm-hmm. scheduled for twenty twenty two, the Winter Olympics in Beijing, and uh, so, can you uh, comment on that?
2: Sure. Yeah, I think um, I think it's a it's a good start um, to consider boycotting or changing the uh, potential location. Uh, of the Winter Olympics. Um, one thing with uh, the Chinese government is they really, really hate a loss of face. A loss of face is a loss of honor. It's something that's really, really something that they try to avoid at all costs. So if this is the start, if we can uh, show the world that standing up against you know, uh, CCP tyranny is, uh, is a good thing, that will cause them to to lose face and perhaps change course.
1: Uh, Peter, you've written an, artic, an article about that this week. Should Canada boycott China, and uh, especially relating to the Olympics? So uh, you've you've taken a first step already in this discussion. And of course, as Reese mentioned, we we wouldn't want to actually uh, miss the Winter Olympics, but we mm-hmm. would like them to be held somewhere where we are not giving any credence to. Uh, The communist China regime.
0: Yeah, well, that's, uh, and it's already been compared to the situation of, of pre World War II Europe, where um, the Olympics were held in Germany, and it was a great um, boost to their uh, pride, really, uh, to the Nazi pride at that time. And and at that time, there was perhaps less knowledge of what they were really doing behind the scenes, but it's the behind-the-scenes thing that really um, has to take center stage here. It's what China is doing in terms of human rights. And um, so, so the Uyghur genocide is actually the... Um, the issue that um, started the whole motion in parliament um, and that's that's good um, I hope that no politicians are sort of raising it for just crass political gain um, but to actually talk about the plight of an, a minority they're an ethnic minority uh, living in China and uh, predominantly but not completely Muslim and they're being um, persecuted Um possibly but probably partially for their faith um we know that religious persecution is rampant in china um but it seems also just an ethnic uh persecution as well and so they're forced sterilization um and uh forced birth control abortions these kind of thing to keep the population from growing so it's it's extremely um troubling to think about these
2: things yeah And uh, as well, yeah, and uh, Falun Gong as well is, uh, of course, Christians as well. Um, Churches are commonly bulldozed, destroyed. um, And any church that is allowed to stand has to be a state church, um, which is basically saying, you know, the Communist Party is God. The church is second. Um, So, yes, persecution of over a wide uh, range of, of minorities is uh, is very rampant there
0: yeah <laughs> we uh yeah so um as a as a christian political party we um we're, we're all concerned about christian persecution on the world stage but it doesn't mean we're not concerned about persecution of other faiths we we believe in the freedom of religion and we Really would wish that China would, their, their regime would abr- embrace that as well. But um, we can't stand idly by while they um, completely uh, take that freedom from people. Um, the the bigger issue, well, in a sense, that is. Perhaps the biggest issue—it's a human rights, it's it's lives of individual people. Um, but when we think about Canada-China relations, there's many um, issues, and one of them is is trade. Um, Canada does significant amount of trade with um, with China. Um, how should we how should we maybe view that in in light of what we've been uh, talking about?
2: Mm-hmm. Definitely complex. Uh, and I'll try my best to touch on it. Um, I like what you put in your communique um, about uh, kind of slow decoupling, um, something that needs to be investigating. Uh, some, sorry, something that needs to be investigated for sure. Um, but a slow decoupling from China, looking at other trade partners, looking at other allies to do business with. Um, and uh, as well, looking at more ways to manufacture at home. Um, Of course, it can't be done immediately. We can't just drop all trade relations with China because that would be a disaster, but it's something that needs to be
1: done, I think, looked at slowly. On some of these trade uh, arrangements, we sort of walk into it blindfolded, it seems like. Um, The uh, now scuttled Northern Gateway uh, Pipeline Project and and the struggling Trans Mountain Pipeline Project, both of which would bring um, raw bitumen from Alberta's oil fields. Uh, you know, a great uh, uh, opportunity for for trade. But we're allowing, you know, we're shipping out a raw product that could be upgraded in Alberta, and we could be shipping a finished product to China and uh, actually accomplishing two things one we would keep more of those jobs and a resource uh, the benefit of the resource at home uh, secondly we have higher much higher environmental standards than than China does so uh, for the environment it would be a, a much better process if we would do that refining, upgrading, and refining in Canada, but that's not how it was uh, framed when that was first put forward. And of course, that's all uh, you know, going slowly over the <laughs> over the uh, rugged road right now. The, the Northern Gateway was was shut down, and of course, with the states now uh, with Keystone XL shut down, that's just one of our you know, aspects of our trade deficit that uh, we're going to have a hard time overcoming in the near future.
0: Yeah, just in terms of the uh, thinking about that trade deficit, um, it's kind of a, maybe it's just kind of a term that's out there, but you know, you just have, got to think about walking into any any regular uh, big box store and, um, take a look what's the chances of pulling a random item off the ch- shelf and it's saying made in canada on it versus made in china right um, it's it's pretty unlikely right whoever thinks of walking up to a, a piece of electronics you know any kind of electronic and saying oh look it's made in canada mm, not likely
1: i've even seen t-shirts that on the front of the t-shirt says made in canada and on the label it says made in china and so that's <laughs> kind of the the extreme there
0: yeah yeah that's right yeah no you yeah you sometimes it'll be designed in a specific place um but it'll you know you read the fine print and it's, it's made in china so they're, they're making lots of stuff they're doing a lot of work in china um and and good for them um you know we um but um it actually co- it actually goes back if I can loop back quickly to um, to persecution as well because some of that work is being done by by slave labor of persecuted minorities as well so um, that's a that's a difficult thing and it's something that it seems as though some members of parliament are maybe starting to try and work that file a little bit harder and say like we can't have stuff imported to Canada that was made by slave labor in China and that would be an of course an improvement as well absolutely. Yeah. But the fact that it's happening, of course, right, is uh, pretty
1: um, concerning. Mm -hmm. Um, In terms of the... Inject here. I was pretty impressed that uh, Parliament would vote on anything uh, uh, unanimously, while well, there were a number of abstentions, including our Prime Minister, who apparently wants to stay politically correct. But the fact that all the parties could get together, two hundred sixty-six to zero, mm-hmm. at least nobody voted against this uh, concern about the genocide uh, against the Uyghurs, and even even with an amendment uh, suggesting that we should. Put some pressure on, on the Olympic Games to be moved. So uh, I, I was impressed. Parliament doesn't often have that kind of agreement. So, for those who uh, work together to get that to pass, uh, we tip our hat.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's that's a good point. Like we can't often sort of say, you know, Parliament, many parties of whom we have strong disagreements with, um, actually doing something that we're you know pretty happy with. Um. As we sort of broaden out, even maybe beyond that, um, Canada-China relations, but um, China's relationship with countries um, or former countries, um, specifically Taiwan and Hong Kong. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's it's fair to say we we can't get into that fully in one conversation. Right. But yeah. do we want to uh, make any comments on uh, on either of those files?
2: Uh, yeah, like you mentioned, it's a tough one, um, but what's going on in Hong Kong uh, with this uh, extradition bill um, where people who people can be deported from, maybe deported is not legally the correct word, but can be sent from Hong Kong to the mainland for imprisonment is just, uh, the floodgates have opened um, and you're going to see and we're, we've already seen and we will continue to see you know, any anyone who stood up or is standing up to the CCP um, start to start to go missing, and there Hong Kong was very unique because for a time it had it's it almost acted as its own nation. I guess you could say people it had uh, you could access social media, you could access YouTube, Facebook, all that stuff, and a lot of expats would go there. For a kind of reprieve, if they lived in China, they'd go to Hong Kong just for you know a breather because they would get all their, their freedoms back, they could speak freely, they could use social media now a lot of that is slowly going away, and so I think um this it needs to be put in the spotlight much more than it is at the at the current moment
0: yeah good point <clears throat> the um, uh, one case one individual that needs to be mentioned um he's perhaps perhaps some of our listeners would know there's a gentleman named jimmy lay um last name is spelled lai he's an entrepreneur he's a a newspaper mogul um in hong kong um but he's in jail um he and he's in jail because he kept publishing news that the ccp didn't like Uh, so that's a tells you something about freedom of press, of the press in general. Okay. And um, he's, he's extremely bold, he's willing to actually go to jail um, for his views rather than flee the country. Um, and like, he's he's like a millionaire, he, he probably could have gotten out of the country if he'd worked some connections. <laughs> um, but uh, he really wants to Um, like it seems as though he's effectively willing to lay down his life for the freedom of Hong Kong. Like it's that kind of a guy. Um, And so, uh, yeah, something to look into, a story to watch um, in terms of the being maybe a barometer for how bad things are getting in Hong Kong.
2: Yeah, that's, there's that. And there's the uh, epic times we've had there. They're uh, building torched once, I believe, their printing office. And then I think one of their reporters had a knife pulled on him in the street. So um, this is, uh, they're not playing around here. This is serious stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, So these freedoms, which you kind of take for granted in Canada, Mm -hmm. are in serious peril, Um, even in the parts of China where they had previously had some freedom. Yeah. Um, And uh, and yeah, the fact of Hong Kong not being independent anymore—I mean, mm-hmm. those are um, you know <laughs> too big to discuss uh, today. But um, one of the connections for um, for Canada in terms of Hong Kong is uh, the fact that there's many Canadians who actually live there, and uh, it might be challenging in the future. Uh, to help them if they are further um, oppressed or if they you know become a, a political hot potato uh, bargaining chip who knows right yeah and and of uh, course that brings us right to the two Michaels
1: yeah yeah of course and you know, uh, the two Michaels in China and the one James Coates in Alberta. But anyway, uh, we, we uh, are concerned when we begin to see uh, people, you know, taken off the streets here. Uh, we've always assumed that in Canada, and the United States, you know, we would never see, you know, uh, a pastor arrested. These These two Michaels, I mean, the Chinese are using the term spies. I think that, you know. It's sort of obvious to us that it was just an excuse to uh, retaliate for the arrest of uh, Meng Wanzhou. And, uh, you know, but it seems like when you're in a dictatorial uh, regime like China, you just, you know, just make a claim and you don't have to justify it. They don't don't have to be proven in court. You just make the claim, you put the people away and uh, you hold them for bargaining chips. So uh, we'll see. We certainly hope that uh, that our, our prime minister will uh, strengthen himself to uh, say something to China. I don't know what has been said in the past, but uh, nothing much has taken place in, uh, that we know of in, in terms of freeing uh, the two Michaels. We hope they may be free soon. Mm-hmm. Absolutely.
0: Yes, yeah. Um, of course, you know, we're presenting China as, as the bad guys in this conversation, and the Chinese Communist Party have shown themselves to be bad guys on the world stage, um, but we, we don't put all Chinese citizens into that category, um, and uh, I know we, we certainly want to reach out to Chinese Canadians in Canada, and uh, we, we are not trying to hold their nationality, their background in any way against them.
1: No, absolutely, this has nothing to do with ethnicity. Uh, we are so uh, grateful. We've had a number of uh, Chinese Canadians have joined the Christian Heritage Party. We, we have a, uh, a brochure made up uh, that is in uh, the Chinese language. And we certainly appreciate that many of them have fled from communist China to make a new home and a new life in Canada where there is, uh, up until now anyway, we have had religious freedom and the freedom to uh, build a business and so on. I've actually just recently, I'll just throw this in, I've just been recently reading one of Paul Hathaway's book about uh, one of the provinces of China, Shandong, the revival province. And uh, actually he is writing one book about every province of China, basically the spiritual history you know, uh, missionary activities and and the growth of uh, biblical Christianity, uh, the spread of Christianity. Actually, in recent decades, you know, China has been uh, one of the places in the world where Christianity has been uh, spreading most effectively through the house churches and so on. So uh, I find it fascinating uh, that the different tribal uh, groups in China and how they have responded to the gospel and of course, maybe we have to go there and find out how they're doing it because we need revival in Canada. In the, <laughs> we used to have a book about every province of Canada, how, <laughs> how we are being stirred to life in our Christian faith and uh, how that affects our political um, atmosphere, our political environment in this country. But anyway, no, we, we uh, really appreciate the uh, Chinese Canadians who have joined our party and are making a difference and uh, they're an inspiration to us. So, so we want to be really clear, we're talking about a governmental system on one hand and uh, has nothing to do with ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, that's a really
2: important point. Um, one of the CCP tactics is to try to equalize the communist party with the Chinese people, the culture, the language, and those two things are completely different. Uh, I think the Chinese people are victims of the system, this communist system. So it's really important you said that because they will take that, what we said, and they will try to spin it as, oh, you know, they're against all Chinese people and all their language and culture. And no, that's ridiculous. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I want to echo
1: what you said. We're very grateful for the members. And they have a fascinating history and culture, and uh, I want to learn more about it. I intend to read as many of these books as fast as you can crank them out because they're well written. uh, And I recommend them to uh, others if you want to learn a bit about the Chinese history and and the growth of uh, Christian religion within China.
0: We want to thank all of you who have been uh, listening to today's conversation and uh, we want to encourage all of you um, to become members of CHP, Whether whatever background, whatever nationality um, you um, are from and uh, wherever part of Canada you live in. Um, we uh, appreciate your contributions and uh, we um, will hope that uh, you'll join us for another uh, episode of CHP Talks in the future.
1: Thank you all. Thank you.